0: You're listening to Raising Our Voices Summer Special on 3CR. Today we hear from our good friends, Vat Chat, who will be joining us next year in the 6pm Wednesday time slot.
1: Voice at the Table provides practical information to ensure people with a cognitive disability have a real and equal voice on boards, committees and advisory groups. We do this by providing training for people with an acquired brain injury or intellectual disability and through a peer led monthly meetup. We educate organisations and government departments to use inclusive meeting practices by providing training and resources. But most importantly, VAT tries to make the world a place where everyone is equal and can participate by being given supports they need to contribute the way they want. Our board is disability-led, and our resources and training are co-produced and facilitated by people with a disability. Come check us out, voiceatthetable.com.au.
0: We gather together today on this special place to continue our learning, journey together we as the boy buwang and boom buwang people of the kula nation as the traditional of this land and waters of the place where we are recording the podcast and the sovereign had not been Jesus. We acknowledge and pay respect to the oldest past and present and emerging. We also pay
1: respect to the First Nations who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who have worked really, really hard over the years for the right for themselves and other people with disabilities to live in the community and for equality and human rights for all. Nothing, Nothing about, about us without
2: us. Voucher. In today's episode of VATCHAT, we continue our chat with Larissa, Larissa McFarlane, and our chat about disability pride and art and words and language continues. Let's jump straight back in. So that was a really, a a great experience for me and a great way to, to get involved, you know, and then finding out more about the disability pride and everything that entails, being part of the second mural, I think that was great i'm not sure but the last update i got about it was it's still there (laughs) the the weather's worn it down a bit but it's still there which is fantastic
3: it it is pretty amazing um it is still there it's uh coming up for three years which is not how long paste ups ever usually last and it It is actually, a lot of it is quite unreadable. It has faded a lot. But if you're standing looking at it from a distance, it very clearly still says in huge letters, disability pride. And then underneath there's sort of illegible bits of paper. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And what is amazing too is that, uh, and it currently has a little bit of tagging on it, but um, it has been amazing I'm quite astounded at how little tagging it's had over the three years. It didn't have any for like a year and a half. Um, I think yep. it was COVID was when it got its first bit of tagging, which then faded. Um, and I think that's, uh, I don't really know why that's the case. Um, I uh,
2: like- no, there were a few theories being thrown around, like that some, uh, several of the members of the, the local tagging community were there during the paste-up. And watching what was going on, and, oh, and were talking with some of the people, and and they got a bit of an insight into what was going on.
3: Is this your theory? I haven't heard this one.
2: Um, no, I've I heard it from someone, but you know, I can't it. remember who. I'm sorry, I'm, um, you know, three years ago. <laughs> That's a lifetime ago. <laughs>
3: yeah, I I like to think that you know. Um, oh, but- when it was destroyed by council the first time, that pretty much everyone heard about that, and that yeah. uh, I imagine the tagging gang went right. Well, you know, we can be better than council. <laughs> we're not yes. Gonna be yeah. Um, so, but your
2: sample- I dare say, I dare I, I say, I, somewhere in those series, the, the, there is the truth. It's, I yes. think there was that exposure to what we were trying to do that second time round, and uh, and that community. Decided. No, we'll respect that. We'll, we, we'll, we won't go there. I mean, you could also say that. Well, it's a unless you're actually going past it. It's not really a high profile area for tags. <laughs> you know, oh, that and, and, wall's
3: been tagged quite a lot. But, in the, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's right near Footscray Station, in case anyone's wondering. Um, yeah,
3: it's uh, two hundred and one Nicholson Street. Um, just a short wheel or a walk from the station, a uh, little bit blocked by roadworks at the moment, I think. Um, hopefully still wheelchair accessible, although I find that these days roadworks aren't. No, <laughs> um, they haven't route.
2: been for a long time. but
3: Yeah, yeah true, true.
2: They try sometimes, like I've seen them set up little ramps, but I yeah. think that's more for them yeah. to get their digging machines up and down <laughs> rather than for people in a wheelchair.
3: I think
2: so. Yeah. So that was 2017 and there was this great 2017, 2018 and 2018. And you had the, the, the great lettering, which is what you've just said is still very visible. Um, the disability pride lettering and,
3: um, you contacted
2: me about, um, about it being reused. And I said, yes, of course, and so I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask what's happening with the Laneway Project.
3: Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm in that, um. Oh, that you know, that as an artist you'll know that complicated phase in the middle of the project where you sort of regret never taking this on and it's all <laughs> going to be terrible and it's so much work ahead of you and there's so many variables. And when you're working in the street or in public, there is so much out of your control and... Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do a lot of work whilst we've been in lockdown. Um, and I've only just come out. I feel like I've had my, I've come out of lockdown now, by the way. Um, and yeah, so things are very behind. Anyway, having said all that, because that's just art speak for, you know, insecurity. Um, yep. <laughs> um, do you know the biggest, I believe the biggest job about being an artist, the hardest thing about being an artist, or pretty much the only thing you really need to do is ignore or speak back or have conversations with the voice that tells you not to make work and if you can like appease that voice and do the work, you know then you're going to do alright, so that's all you have to do, do the work and just don't let that voice tell you to stop
2: yeah. um, I, I haven't reached that stage in my career yet, I'm still just ooh, go, go, go <laughs> So,
3: Oh well maybe, you, maybe you'll keep going like that just go, go, go. Um, yep. Anyway, um, yeah, so I've been really lucky um, to have been given a, um, being invited to be a an artist, a commissioned artist with the Melbourne City of Melbourne are running a project, 40 visual artists in 40 laneways. So it's a big project to revitalise the city. But what is really good um, about the project is that they have invited Um, not your average, normal, well-known artists. They've gone looking for artists that have been around a while that are not recognised or, you know, people working on the fringes. Um, And they've got several proud disabled artists, uh, which is very exciting. They have, might have more that I don't know about, but um, there's quite a few. Yeah, it's actually really impressive. I'm quite impressed. So I was quite really happy to be part of something that is, you know, trying to... Yeah, include all sorts of different artists and art making. You're listening to Vat Chat. I think one of the things with making art as a disabled artist is it's really easy to have your artwork dismissed as something other. It's not contemporary art, it's something other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's for outsider art or... And they're yeah. not that. So it's... Um, yeah, no, I'm going off a tangent, aren't I? <laughs>
2: no, no, um, I... I was hoping you would go this way because I've I've been trying to work this bit out uh, uh, and give it proper shape to, to battle with. Yeah, outsider art has a place and it's completely relevant and deserves to be in that space. It's not what we're doing. We're no. artists. <laughs> we just happen to have a disability and we use that disability to fuel our art as well. Yeah. It doesn't make us outsiders. It's just no. we're using what we have.
3: That's right. And then, and I don't want to, I mean, there was a time where I did identify as an outsider artist because I really wanted to identify, I suppose, and every other type of art form was excluded to me. And so I'm not, you know, as thank you for pointing out that we, you know, outsider art in itself, because there is a strict definition around, you know, people who make art, that um, they're not connected with haven't had any art education and they're just making art purely for themselves and that's a really valid form of art what I have problems with is the way that that is dismissed and the way it's seen as not of value worth showing in a gallery or uh it's not of worth in the economy or um all that sort of stuff so yeah. uh, and disability art is the same art that's uh, people making in community settings it's uh not valued as it should be yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 But there yeah. is that sort of overhanging or uh, stigma, I think is probably the right word, about uh, disability art and day programs. And so many people, when you say disabled artists or disability art, the first reaction is, oh, like in a day program. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and having
3: uh, um, said that, most of my—I mean—that's where I started making art was in day programs,
2: yeah. and
3: they're pretty awful places, super awful yeah. places. But yeah. um,
2: some of them are, are pretty good, though. Uh, like uh, I know several artists who absolutely thrive in them, and
3: oh, just, if that's right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm speaking more of the whole system. Um, yes. But it, for me, it was amazing because I had somewhere to go with my with peers, with other people um with disability and I could make art so even though there were, it was deeply problematic and for quite a few years we only got you know butcher's paper and crayons um it was a place to go and somewhere to be because I had nothing else and um yeah, yeah. so these places are great I mean there's also that um whilst we're on a tangent I've become more and more aware of um another type of disability or institutionalized <coughs> art is um is a uh, ADEs Australian Disability Enterprises, which are also known as sheltered workshops, oh, and yeah. that is a big thing out there. Where people, so so for the, the audience that doesn't know, there's are uh, twenty thousand people who work in these things called sheltered workshops or ADEs, um, and they're usually paid, their wages are very, very low, sometimes only a couple of dollars an hour. Um, I think the maximum you can get is $13, which is still below, well below the award that non-disabled people get, but you still, that re, people rarely get that anyway because it's usually knocked down a lot. Um, and so for me, they're deeply problematic places. So I think this is slave labour happening in Australia today. Mm. Um, and it's been to the courts and it's, uh, yeah, it just, it's deep, there's deep issues there. But yeah. some age, some of these sheltered workshops um, employ artists, disabled artists, and they pay them this, like, minimal tiny wage of a couple of dollars an hour. They make artworks and then they sell the artworks, but the artists <laughs> don't get any money from the artworks um, because they're getting their wage, um, yeah. which is not enough, which is very little.
2: It, it all plays into, you know, our bigger overarching area of uh, voice at the table and having a say in the bigger things that are yeah. happening. And that is, you know, it is literally examples of the opposite of our saying of nothing about us without us. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's uh, organisations, faceless organisations doing things so using the word for, ah. but not really for, <laughs> um, yeah. disabled people, and they they very much. i and I I know that sounded very ableist. What I just said then, and it was meant to. Okay. And, yeah. Yes.
3: No, I got that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, can I tell you? Can I go back to the um the mural, the laneways? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I will be annoyed if yeah, I. Yeah, we got
2: that. a little. But
3: perfect um, example
2: of how we go on tangents <laughs>
3: that's right, yeah, so um so it's very exciting to be part of this, and very daunting as well, um and I wish I was doing it under better circumstances, um, but we've got to do what we can do, but i'm um I'm, I, I'm, I think this is a nice, safe space here, and i'm pro uh so um I'm going to let you in on the secret of where it's going to be um it's going to be in Punch Lane, which is up the north, the top end of um what we call the top end of the city it's really out believe, the east corner but up near parliament anyway off lonsdale street and um yeah and i'm going to be um it's sort of i am hoping but i'm not 100 percent sure yet that it will contain the artwork that we have previously used which is of um disabled people's bodies including yours warren that spelt out the the letters of disability pride so that may or may not be there, but um, this mural is being fueled by my commitment to disability pride and particularly um, because, because as I said earlier, you know, I found it really difficult to be proud and to, wow. to sort of speak back and challenge my internalised ableism and wow. my shame. I've spent a lot of time with the medical systems getting new diagnoses in the past 18 months, so I've That medical system I find deeply shaming and it really throws me because they're so ableist Um, but anyway so I felt like I really needed to uh, challenge that so it was actually returning to that poem Laura Laura Hershey and going um, I really want to look at proud disabled women who have who have made me who I am today people uh, and also knowing that our history is hidden from us that it isn't documented and that the um, and p- women in particular, disabled women, um, are hidden. I mean, before we talked about Kurt Fenley and Dylan Orcott, who are awesome people, but they are white and male. Um, yep. And there are all these other amazing people, but they don't get the same airtime on the ABC or on any other mainstream yep. media. So I've been looking at disabled women uh, some of who I know and some of who I don't know, some of who I discovered along the way. And I'm um, hoping that I'm making portraits of them all, which is a really interesting thing because it's not something I've done before, like do portraits of faces. In fact, ah. it's a new thing and it's a little interesting. Um, so
2: so uh, when you say uh, doing portraits, are you still working in the like the uh, printmaking Style or
3: liner cuts of um liner cut portraits, and they're you know, as I as I i mean, that's the that's the joy of making art is as you learn things change and you learn along the way. And no, that's right, it's not visual, is it? I was going to say, I can show you the last the the latest (laughs) um, but it's not going to work, is it? We're on video, we're on audio, yeah. So, some you know, there's people um, like Stella Young who you know has who. She's well-known to Australians. Yeah. Um, she really cracked, like Kurt and Dylan have done, she really cracked the sort of mainstream market and yeah. got her face everywhere. And that's why I loved her so much uh, because she was everywhere. And that yeah. meant so much to me as, you know, just personally to me, knowing, you know, this woman who I didn't know very well at all, but she had my back. She was there saying, I'm a proud disabled woman. And I was like, yeah, she's speaking for me and I'm going to yeah. use her strength. So yeah, one, of, um, one of
2: one of her greatest qualities, I think, was pushing back against that uh, pity medical model. We're doing this for you thinking. And she's like, no, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for you. And, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. do things for me.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's reminding me of a, a line in the poem that. Um, there's it's the last paragraph of the poem that really strikes, speaks to me. It's remember, you weren't the one who made you ashamed, and so so many people with disability, I think, and I know, I carry around this shame of like, oh, is, shall I identify? You know, because I'm going to experience being looked at differently, and then I'll be embarrassed, and there's shame there, but. We aren't the ones that have made ourselves ashamed. Like, we experience the shame, but the shame comes from society. Society is ashamed and afraid of disability, and so we end up experiencing that.
2: Yeah, I was, I was just... I was thinking along the lines of where I live now, a uh, very multicultural area, and uh, the uh, that, that shaming of disabled people is very prevalent, and it's... You know the the family member doesn't even recognize that they have that a brother or sister with the disability <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, it's heartbreaking,
3: yeah, and it's just a failure you know that's why we need to have more conversations because it's a failure to recognize that disability is part of life, like it's yeah. part of all of our lives whether you're non-disabled at the moment you know 90 percent of people are going to experience disability in their lifetime or care for somebody with a disability that is a yeah. lot of us and it's not something that happens to somebody else and it's over there it actually happens to all of us all the time i yeah. mean you're wearing glasses whilst we don't really we don't call that a disability anymore um mm. it's um you know we've there, there yeah. are ways around i, I that.
2: had that argument with um, NDIS just the other day during my planning meeting Um, Uh, because I actually wear glasses because of my brain injury.
3: Exactly. My
2: eyes themselves are fine. So there's no uh, like normal sort of aging or anything like that. The eyes are actually really good. It's the processing unit in the back and the glasses I get are lopsided. So one, one side stronger than the other. Um, to alter that, so I can see straight.
1: <laughs> it yep. Doesn't always
2: work. And I said, but if I don't get the glasses paid for, I can't. You know, it's like saying to someone, "Oh, yeah, we recognise that your disability is there, but the wheelchair is not going to get funded because, well, you can get that funded elsewhere."
3: That's
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had that. That argument about uh, well, show me, show me, show me where I can get my glasses paid for by someone else, and I'll go to them.
3: Yeah, otherwise. I think um, that's a whole another version of ableism that the NDIS enacts upon us, um, and that idea that some disability is medical and some 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 is disability and some is medical. Like, I don't really yeah. still don't understand the difference. Which makes it really hard to navigate the NDIS if you just can't understand a basic thing like, oh, this isn't a disability, this is a medical thing. Like, what? Um, It's ridiculous. Um, And uh, on a side note, um, I did did have luck with getting glasses, by the way. It's one of the few things I have managed to do on the NDIS. Um, I'm not wearing them, and I should be. Um, Do have faith that you can um, do. Well, I got the one, one
2: planner like the previous planner last year. Yes. No worries. It's It's in your, in your file that, you know, you have low vision issues due to your brain injury and it says it right there in the file. So that makes complete sense. And then one year later they're saying, Oh no, (laughs) we don't find glasses. Once again, (laughs) it's that ableism. and I think there's also that whole inherent flaw within the NDIS, it's that letter I, insurance. Yeah, seeing it as an insurance scheme, and they're only paying insurance out on claims that can be proven. You know, which is yep. absolutely ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I can't really um go f- do this conversation. Um,
2: no, no, no I did not either. It's just.
3: I mean, only yeah. that, but just person. And this is, I mean, this is good to let people know because I think I'm not the only one but I have terrible PTSD about the NDIS and it's built upon um, trauma and abuse from other insurance agencies before I got to the NDIS and yeah. it mostly makes it impossible for me to use it and um, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Not um, at all. Yeah, and I think it is particularly big for, um, well, actually it's probably big for all people, <laughs> but I was going <laughs> to say, it is an issue for people with brain injury. Um, I think that, yeah, I don't know. I Just because, yeah. I mean, things have changed. We to can make
2: lots of, lots of guesses and things like that. And we may be spot on with them, but we may also be completely wrong.
1: You're listening to that Chat. I think that because
3: brain injury is, you know, still often missed, particularly, for example, women, like, you know, they say yep. that more women brain get brain injuries than women, but I think it's just because women are undiagnosed and they get their brain injuries through ways that are already, you know, very um, othered, like family violence. Yes. So it's really invisible and I think that lots of people spend a long time not knowing. Um, even if you are told you're diagnosed with a brain injury when you get sent home and you never meet anybody again and you forget, you spend a lot of time going, I'm making it up or I don't know what's wrong with me, I wish the a name or what does this mean or when i had a brain injury um none of the symptoms of brain injury were were when were, were acknowledged so it was all about you know working of yes. your limbs and
2: yes build- I, I, I got a lot of the same information yeah. as a stroke as someone who right. had strokes you know it's all about you know rehabilitating your limbs so they work and i'm going my limbs are fine. What about my brain? My brain's not working. (laughs) Giving me that information.
3: Yeah. But a lot of the symptoms around fatigue or dizziness or nausea or, um, executive functioning, all that stuff is very missed and not really, it might be like, oh, you have this, but it's never seen as something that you might need support with or that. It's not. So you often, so that's where I think that for a lot of people with brain injury, um, stroke there there might be an increased incidence of sort of uh, potential abuse and potential PTSD in medical systems and health systems because you're struggling to have your your the, these difficult things in your life acknowledged um, and if they're continually dismissed um, that can that is abuse and that can really play out um, in a form of trauma and I think um, that's why I raised it yeah.
2: I think we've talked about enough for today. Yes. Um, oh, goodness, but... we have. We
3: didn't get to talk about
2: the, um, the ABI Wise app. So, uh, Laura had a huge, huge part to play in the birth of the ABI Wise app. Uh, it's the first and probably only app out there uh, worldwide for people with a, a brain injury. Uh, it's very, Maybe. very useful. And yeah, it's made yeah. by people with the brain injury, and it's not even just for; it's by, which is you know um, that for and by. I, I love those two words together. And yes. um, but it is very, very useful. Uh, I, I I have it set so it, it tells me every week uh, a new tip. So I've I've been uh, I try and follow those, but don't always get them right. <laughs> But, that's why and I'm I don't going. remember them either. That's the that's why I have it set so it tells me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's right. Hey, um, we could um, um, speaking of that, speaking of tips, um, I invite you to actually submit some of your own tips because I know that you have some brilliant tips that I've got from you. Um, that um, it'd be great to if you wanted to share them with the app, and then um, other people could. Learn.
2: If I could remember them, yeah. <laughs> All
3: right. We'll just let that bubble away, and yeah. and I also and, do and
2: we'll we'll throw it open a bit wider um, to anyone else with the brain injury to submit That's their cool. tips, and exactly. we can uh, put forward them on to the ABI wise people at Brain Injury Matters. Well, um,
3: actually, if you have a tip, you can actually submit it on the app itself. So there is a button where you can, um, uh, yeah, of course people are welcome to send them to um, the the Voice of the Table or the podcast, but they can also send them to maybe to Brain Injury Matters or do it on the app itself.
1: Yeah.
2: It's probably easiest to do it on the app itself. It's it's just there. You don't have to think about who to send it to. You just do it.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think we've covered everything. As usual, it's been an absolute pleasure to, To sit here and chat with you and hear your wisdom and your passion for art and disability pride and for the ongoing internal ableism fight that we all undertake. Um, Thank you so much, Larissa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so
3: much, Warren. yeah, a great, um, a great chat, and always so lovely to talk to you. Nothing about us
0: without us.
3: You are listening
0: to Raising Our Voices on 3CR. Stay tuned at the same time next week for more disability activism and advocacy on Wednesday. Home time. Bye for now.